Welcome to Silk Road Talent Talk. My name is Andrew Kubo with Silk Road Technology, and I'm here with Amanda Woodard, who works for MaLab Media, editor of Human Resources Monthly, which is a publication of the Australian Human Resources Institute. Amanda, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. All right. Thanks you so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. And today we're going to be talking about gamification and some things that you can use to bring gamification to stop making those boring, tedious tasks and make them a little more interesting. Amanda, what do you mean by gamification? Or what is gamification? It's an enticing word, isn't it? Because it it suggests that we can just seamlessly move our leisure activities of of playing video games into the workplace, but it's not quite that simple. Um, It's not people sitting around at their terminals um, on on, uh, high-speed shooters or or something similar, but it is certainly a way of making work more interesting. A lot of work can be very dull and routine, and gamification is a way of taking some of those elements of video games, some of the game mechanics, and weaving them into the tasks that we do on a daily or a weekly or a monthly basis to ensure that our employees are more engaged in work. Um, Because as I'm sure you know, one of the biggest challenges facing anyone working in HR is the fact that the vast majority of your workers today, right now, are completely disengaged from their jobs. And they're not interested and they're not engaged. And, And we know that a key strategic differentiator for the success of a company is to have a truly engaged workforce. So that shows you why things such as gamification, these new ideas that are coming into the workforce, are so important. Absolutely. And especially when it comes to anything that has to do with engagement. One one of the biggest rises, I think, for gamification coming into the workforce is that the world of work has changed and you have elements in technology and you have all this opportunity to include games where they haven't been before. Now, also, too, gamification does have a rich history. Napoleon used a gamification process uh, that back in the 1800s that was looking for a better way to preserve food for their soldiers during Napoleon's campaigns. And that's how we ended up with canned food today, which is actually a gamification program. So now that we have... Oh, that's that's so interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Napoleon used gamification in order that it led to the discovery of canned food. He offered uh, what's equivalent to today a million dollars to someone who would be able to keep fresh food edible for longer. And so gamification has... That shows there's nothing new, I suppose. <laughs> and and you know what? But I think that that's kind of that's a lot of of what HR can be. It's we're we're doing the same thing over and over again, but we're finding better ways of doing it. And gamification has evolved beyond just a contest or a lottery. It's becoming a lot more prevalent in many different kinds of ways. Um, and the one thing is, we kind of almost forget those old things that work. In, in human resources sometimes, mm. that it's been there for, for ages, but now it's starting to come back and get the attention that it deserves. So most companies don't have a gamification system in place. So how has the expectations of workers changed that allows for gamification 
to be needed in these organizations. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, gamification ideas have come about because there's a much younger um, there's a much younger generation that is soon about to dominate the workforce if they're not doing so already. And and as the baby boomers retire, the influence of this younger generation is being felt everywhere. And they're bringing these ideas about gamification with them. And, and it's partly because in the same way that we've moved from sort of compartmentalized offices into open plan, they are looking for much greater kind of social collaboration at work. They demand much faster feedback around what they're doing. Um, and they already have established a digital reputation outside of their workplaces. And they want to continue, they expect to be able to continue that once they're in a job. And all those new expectations of work uh, amongst people who have grown up accustomed to playing video games are translated into expecting and demanding more engaging work experiences. Okay, so, so gamification is, is being used and seen as a way of getting through the drudgery of a job's more menial tasks. You know, we can't all be doing the high-end stuff 24-7. There's a lot of kind of dull stuff that has to be get through, has to be got through. So anything that can make those tasks more exciting and involving, such as by tracking what we're doing and awarding credit, applying scores and ranking, you know, then that's definitely worth doing. And if you can, if you can gamify a process uh, and you reward behavior, it's like, it's like a dopamine release in the brain. You know, and humans like games. They respond to games. Um, the, the Frank Farrell, who's a partner at Deloitte, he said, he likened it to kind of getting children to tidy their bedrooms. He said, you, you know, if, we can, if you can say, let's see who can clean their room the fastest and I'll set the timer to 10 minutes, children will respond to that. Um, it's, it's, so it's all about being creative with the framing of your job tasks. Work, the work experience, where you're not looking at, at as work, it's becoming something you know more fun that has real world goals and accomplishments. Exactly, and um, and the way it's being specifically applied in the workforce are in. Um, I think probably four areas if we're looking at, and the one that has been most easily taken up uh, has been put around performance management, but it's also being used now in recruitment, um, employee engagement, which is what we've started to talk about, and also about education and skills training. Um, but performance management, which has been much uh, talked about in, in the press and, and elsewhere in the last year or so, much maligned um, because of the way that people actually dread these annual meetings uh, to talk about their, their achievements. Um, that is where gamification, I think, has really taken hold and is, is, is leading to some significant improvements. So these next generation kind of performance management platforms are, are they're moving away from the kind of KPIs, you know, the key performance in indicators, and they're moving towards objectives and results. And, and so gamification has kind of turned performance 
management into an ongoing thing rather than a periodic thing. And so that employees ask, what activities do I need to do today to affect that scoreboard that I've got on my platform that I'm looking at and to move me higher up the rankings so that it's, it becomes a very visible thing as well in a company. You know, that uh, people can see if you're, if you, what targets you're setting yourselves, what targets you're setting your teams, how you're tracking on those targets, when you, um, when you achieve those targets, then there can be a kind of communal celebration of that as well. And that's very empowering. Uh, it's very motivating. Um, there, there's... management systems that we have in place already that it would be goal setting and achievement based. So how would you set that apart using gamification elements? Well, um, Ernst and Young and, and well, um, Ernst and Young and, and in Australia and Nine NSN and, and Uni Super are just three of the companies who signed up to uh, an engagement and recognition platform called WooBoard, which um, kind of, I'll give you an example of, of what this is, and you might, uh, you might squirm a bit at this, but, but it's when a team or an individual reaches a goal, employees receive a woo from their peers as a way of creating a culture of recognition and appreciation. And, and I, it's, it's almost like a high five, okay, that, that goes around the office. And I think while the mindset of an older employer might think that is just uh, perhaps almost embarrassing, it's, that isn't how it's perceived amongst a younger generation. It's almost like liking something on Facebook. You know, it, it's, it's a very um, visual and collaborative way of sharing congratulations and um, incentivizing people to, to carry on doing what they're doing. Um, so if, what do you think about that? I think that creating things like WooBoards and employee recognition programs are, are good. Anything that's showing forward progress and achievements, that's what's going to be releasing that dopamine spike that makes games truly engaging. The fact that you're bringing in other peers in it as well is... I think a very good process and not to mention too with something as easy as a woo board I think even baby boomer generations are familiar with the concept of a like button and they're not afraid of it anymore as they used to be uh, you, for instance I mean my grandmother who's part of the, the greatest generation is on Facebook and she likes everything I don't know if she's understood emojis yet, but she's definitely been using them. So I, I think the idea that the baby boomers would be afraid of technology doesn't really hold sway anymore. I think it was more of a reaction to just something that being new, but Facebook mm. is almost 10 years old now. So mm. it, it's kind of passed out of the realm of being new. So the idea of interesting gamification might have sounded a lot scarier if you have an online program or a tech program back in 2007 but in the yeah. current job market there's there's no reason to fear it everything else is already being digitized and technology is is breaking through in the market at such a rapid pace that everyone's i feel okay with it now you'll have some people who 
don't like change in general, but those are usually the same people who don't always like change. And that's not a generational thing. That's more of a, a personal thing. A couch. Yeah. 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 And, and I feel I that the most important part of any sort of new change is that you focus on getting buy-in from the people who matter the most. You have to have involved executive executives and managers play these games first and the rest of the staff will usually follow suit. And it can be something as easy as just a simple employee recognition like button. If you use Microsoft products, they have a, a, a blog post called internal blog site called Yammer, and you can give people kudos. It's the kind of same process. So there's a lot of these elements that you can find out there that are free for your business to adopt and use. Yes, yes, that, that's true. I, I mean, I think what you're saying about buy-in is quite important. I mean, it requires buy-in from the people who are actually going to be using these gamification elements. Um, and, but it also requires buy-in from um, the C-suite who's going to invest in them. And the big advantage in some of these gamification techniques is how well they marry up with analytics. Um, and I mean, if you, if you start looking at the way gamification is finding its way into talent acquisition and psychometric assessments, um, there's very kind of strong connections now being made of, of measuring how those um, uh, are working. I mean, there, there's an Australian uh, people analytics company here called Rebellion who's developed um, a game-based assessment tool called Theme Park Hero which uh, it, it kind of involves the construction of a water park, you know, using a digital jigsaw. But it, it's um, not only is it a great way of engaging talent because people don't actually feel like they're doing a test when they come for a job interview. And, and so all the anxiety disappears and they're able to perhaps convey their, themselves and their talent and their skills in, in a much easier way because they're, they're kind of immersed in this in this role of, of building the water park and they've got an end goal. But from the employer's side, um, they are able to look at the big data resulting from a candidate who takes that game stroke test, if you like, and they are able to look at the uh, everything that that candidate does or doesn't do during that game. So, for example, how long it might take them to make a decision and then looking at the quality of that decision. And so they're, they're sort of checking or pulsing every, God knows, you know, 200 milliseconds or whatever in terms of what that candidate is doing and what they're focusing on. But, and this is really, I think, where HR is, is, is perhaps falling behind. It's all very well having all that data around talent acquisition having all that data around performance management, but you've really, really got to have those skills now to analyze it and understand what that means so that you can feed that back into the organization and improve your processes and, and improve your business operations. So uh, at the moment, you know, you see a company like Rebellion who, who've got all those teams of psychologists and engineers working side by side, extracting the meaning from the data to make sense of it for employers. So, so but that, I think this is something that HR is going to have to take on more on its own. You know, so at the moment they will they will be able to tell an employer that 
once they've done that, that, that game task, they can identify the candidates who are perhaps more open to new experiences, the ones that have jumped in and, and played around and looked for solutions in that, in that game. Um, and then they will be able to identify perhaps other candidates who are more conservative players who've taken longer with the game and been more cautious, um, but then also perhaps been more accurate at the, at the end of the game. And, and you can see now quite clearly, can't you, how one kind of candidate will be perfect for a certain role um, and another candidate will be more suitable for um, the perhaps role involving more innovation and more creativity. But these are, are the crucial areas that HR will be in, need to be involved in, particularly in the future where, well now, the future is now because high performing talent is, is is the key differentiator, we know that, and, and seeking out the right candidate and finding the right fit for your organization is absolutely paramount these days. And I think gamification is one of those areas where if the C-suite is looking to invest and they can see that in a much more granular way that gamification techniques are going to find them those right candidates for those right roles, um, then they're going to be persuaded to invest. The, the buy-in, the case, the argument that HR are going to put to them will be there for them to see and measure. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think you were touching on it earlier too, just to, just to reinforce the idea. I think the, that that's the way that you'd sell it to the C-suite would be the metrics data that you can pull from it. You can figure out what kind of employees you're working for. You're creating an engaging environment. You can tell from looking at the progress that people use within your gamification system, who's bought in, who's engaged, who is producing. You can point to an actual number and say that that is higher productivity right there. You're also, you can use yeah. it as a selling point like KPNG did when they were doing campus rec recruiting. Uh, they used a, mm -hmm. a game where they had new recruits go around the world in uh, using these these questionnaires with uh, KPNG facts, I believe. And um, it was a huge success. They had some of their best campus recruiting numbers, but they were able to point to they were using it also as a way by candidates who completed the game, who filled it out, they were looking for the top candidates there because the game was designed in a way that would show them what they wanted, who would be a good culture fit, and who they were looking for. Exactly. It gave them much deeper insights into those candidates' strengths and abilities than, tradi than traditional assessments did. Um, and the KPMG case is widely quoted um, because they had such kind of dramatic results, particularly among, I think it was... Um, university students, wasn't it, in the first run yeah, of the lab. Yeah. yeah, they used it in their uni university campus recruiting. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, there, there, are, there are other ways that gamification tools are, are being used as well. Um, the, they, uh, the, the Deloitte Leadership Academy, I think, they had uh, a kind of traditional certification progress that, that was very kind of laborious and was a big kind of a bureaucratic burden for them. They're having to chase up employees to get them to kind of do their education and training. Um, but it, so instead they, they kind of introduced this online um, gaming community using Yammer where employees got credit for completing different stages of their education and training. And it, it, it raised their status online. 
So by making that process more public as well and more transparent and, and more social, it became an incentive that you didn't really want to be left out, you didn't want to be left behind. So it combined that kind of social pressure and recognition, um, which was much more effective for Deloitte in getting their people certified. I suppose it's like, like, it, you know, it's like a virtual carrot to motivate people. And that's definitely one of the biggest elements of gamification is that you're going to get a real reward out of it. But And that's a huge buy-in too, the, a huge point as well. The more that people are bought in, it becomes a little more awkward for people who didn't like it originally to stay out of the loop. Yes, that's right. But it's the fact that everyone's getting their certification. They can do it in a way that they're also engaged. Uh, most learning programs do. It's, a, it's fascinating that, that Deloitte was using it in their training. There's, uh, I don't, there's some figures that came, came from the Brandon Hall group saying that 70% of what you hear in a classroom is forgotten within the first two weeks. So there is <laughs> such a, a premium on human attention, especially in a classroom mm. environment, which is usually set up in a classroom or a virtual classroom where there's, I, if it's online, there can be tons of distractions. If it's in the classroom, you have to really make it not dull to keep people engaged and motivated. And gamification can be a huge asset in something like learning. And you can use it to foster the different types of learning, that there's some people who learn by auditory, there's some people who learn through visuals, and then there's another group of people who learn by doing. And you can incorporate all of those elements into a training program that can keep it engaging and also interactive, visual, and auditory. So there's so many different checklists that yeah. you can, yeah, that you can create with a gamification system and it will be more likely to stick. Are there any other industries that have used gamification successfully in their learning programs? Well, you know, um, last year, I think the, uh, a report came out, Digital Australia 2016, that said about one in four organizations in Australia are now using computer games at work for adult learning. Um, so that shows you how fast things are happening. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Over, over here, I think I've mentioned an NYOB, haven't I? Um, and Ernst and Young. I was speaking to someone from PricewaterhouseCooper the other day, and they are also uh, using game technology in their recruitment and in their learning and development. Uh, and you know there are companies now springing up all over the world that are uh, devising and designing these games. You know there's Connect Cubed in Hong Kong and there's Shezatech in India. So you know it would be a mistake to think that this is just happening in in the U.S. or, or Australia or the U.K. It's really taking off in Asia in a very big way, where of course video gaming is is a massive uh, leisure pursuit. Um, and yeah, both uh, a billion dollar industry. Oh, exactly. Well, you can see you can see the potential for it becoming a, a huge industry in a work in the workplace as well, um, and taking all that guesswork that is currently built up around whether it's recruitment or performance management, um, taking all that guesswork, taking all that you know 
my middle manager's gut reaction is this, this is the right candidate. You know, businesses just can't afford to operate like that anymore. And there has to be some hard and fast data around the, the successes um, coming out of, of using techniques like, like, like this. And, um, you know, the, 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 there's, I think every company believes that there's a sort of, you, you know, a unique formula that makes people successful in a specific role. And the games data insights are the ingredients in that formula. Absolutely. So just to change topic for a little bit, we have talked about how great gamification can be and all the different elements that it can be used. What do you think is holding companies back from implementing it? Because it's not the norm yet. It's not the norm, no. Um, I think there's a perception from among people that I've spoken to that uh, gamification is perhaps uh, trivializing work. Um, it's still, in certain minds, has because it's such a dominant part of perhaps people's leisure activity, there's a fear that um, it will, it will, it will trivialise the serious work that's <laughs> that's get gets done when you walk through those doors in the morning. So perhaps it has an image problem that needs to be overcome. I think that's that's one point, and I think there's also a fear that uh, you know unless you're walking around an office and you're looking over people's shoulders, you're not entirely sure what they how they're spending their time, and how different would looking at Theme Park Hero by Rebellion or, or and the other famous one is Wasabi Waiter, which is produced by Nat. You know, if you see that on someone's screen, um, perhaps the fear is that, the, that they are playing rather than doing work tasks. Um, but then I also think uh, that there needs to be um, a real change of generation in, in the C-suite as well, because I agree with you that you know the baby boomers aren't aren't frightened of of new technology, and it's a, it's a kind of generalisation to say that they are. But it does sometimes need fresh thinking to come in and say, okay, we need to try something different. Um, look at what other industries are doing. Um, look at what's happening in the financial sector. Look at what's happening in the engineering sector. Perhaps, and I think the problem we have in Australia is that there's actually very little movement um, in HR across industries. There's lots of movement within within sectors, but there's not a much movement across sectors. And I think it's only when you get HR people coming from different fields that you get that sort of fresh thinking. Um, and so. Uh, I think that's another problem that is very specific to Australia that, that is perhaps preventing these new technologies coming into the workplace. Um, and then I, I guess a, a final note of caution about this is diversity um, in the workplace. And if you are um, successfully employing high achieving candidates who are going through these gamification techniques and producing splendid results, there is a fear that eventually you're just employing all the same kind of people um, and there's perhaps a fear that you're overemphasizing what can be measured, uh, all the data-driven stuff, and you're underplaying 
what is less quantifiable, and that is those softer skills, such as empathy, um, negotiating ability, um, and perhaps emotional intelligence, which is what I've been writing about recently. All those emotional intelligence is all about self-awareness, it's all about empathy, it's all about um, understanding team dynamics, and those aren't things that can be so easily measured in when you're using game mechanics, when you're using all this data-driven thing. So I think if you look at all those things combined, that is probably what's um, keeping at arm's length the wholesale introduction of gamification. I mean, the answer to all this, of course, is it requires a balance. It requires the use of new technology with that face-to-face -face interaction that is never going to go away of sitting down in front of someone and talking to them and learning about them and understanding them as a person and combining that with the metrics. And, and that's really the only way that I think you can paint a complete picture. So it sounds like what you're, what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that gamification has an image problem. That maybe the, the fact that it has just the word game in there doesn't mean it's taking itself serious enough for a lot of these different sectors in the working world. Yeah, I mean, this, there's no, I haven't come across any research that says it has an image problem, but from my experience of talking to people, and both the game producers and the, the businesses that are using them, I think you're right. I think the language around gamification perhaps needs to change a bit um, and, and the way it's presented. I, I think it's, I can see that that image problem isn't going to be a long term problem in the way the world of work is changing. I think. Uh, you know, with the rise of artificial intelligence, with the rise of sort of, uh, you know, virtual reality in the workplace, I think gamification is going to become uh, more and more the norm uh, and more accepted and integrated into what we do. So um, I don't foresee it as a long-term problem. I, I, think it's, I think it's more of a teething problem than anything else. And particularly as we, you know, I come full circle and back to the much greater obstacle of employee engagement. Um, I think companies are going to realize that they better overcome their fears and prejudices about uh, the, the, the trivialization of, of work through, through gaming techniques and get on board because uh, there isn't any time to, to ponder this. Uh, change is happening so fast and uh, competition is so fierce that it's, it's change or die, really. And that's been the, the message for most organizations all along. And I think it's the kind of the same as, as changes to the performance review. It's something that HR has been looking at for a long time and is just starting to come around to doing it. Gamification seems to be following the same path. Um, if you are someone in HR who is looking to implement some some gamification programs. Do you have any advice on maybe yeah. how to get that off the ground and where you can start? Yeah, absolutely. I think the first thing to do is to identify the people in your office or in your workplace who are already sympathetic and on board with gaming, um, who've got a predisposition towards wanting this technology to work. And I think it's always a good idea to set up kind of a little uh, perhaps forum or subcommittee really to mine ideas from 
that group about how they can introduce and integrate this new technology into their workplace and really get your employees to be your your leaders. Um, I, I think you know that plays into the the flat workplace, uh, the, the non-hierarchical workplace, where if anything comes out of the CEO's office or the HR department, people automatically switch off. But if you have your employees advocating for it in the first place, and if you have them training perhaps other less willing people in the workplace, then you're off to a really strong start. Um, you could even sort of uh, have a workshop uh, where you get some of these um, employees to introduce the technology, to answer questions, and, and get onto some of the gaming companies and try out the different technologies. Find the ones that are going to work best for your business so that when it comes to taking it to the higher-ups, You've, got, you've already got your employees on board, you've already worked out what works best for your organization, um, and you've, uh, by that stage, got the data to back it up to show how it's working in other organizations. So I think, I think it's very much you go in at the ground floor, you find your advocates for gamification, and you really let them run with it. I think that that's absolutely excellent advice. Thank you so much for sharing that. And is there any last ideas on gamification that you would like to leave with our audience before we leave? Um, well, I, I guess, you know, really, <laughs> you, you, I, I come back to, to how this is, this isn't something that we're discussing that is a, really a future trend. It's really on our doorstep, you know. I go back to that digital um, Australia report, you know, where we say 98% of homes here with children under the 18, under the age of 18, have got at least one device for playing computer games. You know, the, the whole future of organisational game-based work and learning is already in skilled hands. They just haven't entered the workforce yet. And that's the, the Gen Z group that's going to be coming up in the next four years. Yeah, the one who's going to take your job and mine. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or hopefully we can build mentorship programs around that. Yeah. <laughs> that's the subject of but another podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, that's, but that's going to be also very important, uh, the fact that this technology is happening right now. It's it. There's been so many huge successful companies from all sectors who are already adopting it. It would be good, especially not only is there a need to implement it now, but it's going to be it's just going to become more imperative to implement this technology because most likely in your industry, your competitors are already thinking about implementing this technology. Yeah, and these ideas and, and concepts. That's right. And really, what's not to love? I mean, we spend so much of our time doing work. If we can make it more interesting, um, then it's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with making anything it, more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, if I could get rid of half of what I do through um, automation or, or, game, or using game technology techniques, then uh, I'm going to embrace that. Uh, so that I can get on with the more interesting stuff in my job, you know, more of the high-level client-based stuff, which is, which is obviously what is, you know, 
gets people out of bed in the morning, the more interesting things where they can relate to human beings and they can persuade and use all those human skills that aren't easily replicated by a computer or a robot. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, thank you so much, Amanda, for being on our show today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you. Oh, it's been a, a pleasure to talk. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, not a problem. And where can our listeners find some of your write your work? Um, they can go to uh, well, they can they can look at my uh, LinkedIn profile, which has got links to a lot of my published work. But they can also go to hrmonline.com.au to see um, the uh, human resources content that we produce, which is very wide ranging, as as you might expect. 